helping disciple makers ignite a movement locally and globally. This is the Disciple First Podcast. Now, here's your host, Craig Ethridge. Welcome back to Disciple First Podcast. It's a podcast by disciple makers and for disciple makers. My name is Craig Etheridge. I'm your host. And today we're listening in on a sermon by Robbie Gallaty that he preached at the Flashpoint Conference in Dallas talking about accountability. Robbie is the senior pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. He was radically saved out of life of addiction in 2002. In 2008, he started Replicate Ministries to educate, equip, and empower believers to make disciples and make disciples. And Robbie shares in this sermon the importance of accountability and the role that accountability plays in disciple-making relationships. Now, we've already aired the first part of it. We're picking up in the middle of that sermon, so enjoy this message. I just want to encourage you to get involved in an intimate, accountable discipleship relationship. So first of all, we see in the text, accountability supports your work. Secondly, it strengthens our walk. So, so, so it's like fuel to the discipleship fire for our walk. And then number three, accountability safeguards our well-being. It safeguards our well-being. Look at verse 12. If someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And what he's saying is this. If you're alone and someone attacks you in a back alley, you're in trouble. It's you against them. But if you have another person with you, then you can overpower them. Now, I want you to see the progression in the account here. Because what Solomon does is this. Look at verse 8. He starts with one. Then in verse 9, he introduces the number two. Do you see it? And then in verse 12, he introduces the number three. So you have this progression. He's building this up. Two may be a dynamic duo, but three is always a holy trinity, right? And that's what he shows us in the text. He said there's strength in numbers here. According to the rabbis, this cord was used to imply the advantages of greater strength having three people functioning as companions, particularly in the matter of living and teaching the Torah. So he's not just talking about living life, he's talking about there's, a great, there's great encouragement, there's great evidence for accountability through a larger number studying the Word of God. But I think what he's getting at is it's important for us to live in accountability with each other. D.O. Moody was at a house of a man who was a prominent leader in Chicago many years ago. And uh, it was freezing cold outside and they had a fireplace uh, in the house, and the man was trying to convince Moody why he believed he could live separate and apart from community in the local church. He was saying, I don't need to go to church. I can live by myself. I'm a Christian. We hear this today. We call it Lone Ranger Christianity. Well, he was trying to convince Moody of that. And Moody noticed that the fire was burning, and he didn't say a word to the man. He said, come over here, sir. He went to the fire, he took the tongs off the shelf. He went in and took out one of the coals that was on fire. He put the coal on top of the mantelpiece and he let it sit. And the two of them together watched this coal smolder and burn out. And the man looked at him and said, 
I see your point. See, left alone, the Christian life is very difficult, right? And I think that's what Solomon's saying. He's saying, listen, we need to live within community. So how do we apply this text? How, how do we live this out today in our own lives? I want to give you three walking points. I want to give you three points that you can walk out of here with and apply immediately. Three walking points based on the text. Here's the first one. I want to encourage you to begin to meet, if you're not already, in an intentional discipling relationship for encouragement and accountability. For encouragement and accountability. Proverbs 27, 17, we know it well. Iron sharpens what? Iron, just as one man sharpens another, right? So we hold people accountable, not just to, to walk in the Word of God, not just to memorize the Scriptures, uh, not just to journal the Word, but we hold people accountable to love their wives or husbands as Christ loved the church. We hold people accountable to, to be intentional with sharing their faith. But we do hold people accountable to study and memorize the Word. Michael Billister, years ago, was an American pastor who had gone over to Poland and he had met a believer in Poland in this small city and he had given him a copy of the Bible. And he said to him, he said, listen, if you really want to do a, a great service to this community, uh, begin to pray for God to open the hearts and minds of people and then begin to study the word of God and commit it to memory with those new believers. Uh, and he said, I want you to start memorizing the word together. And so the man took the Bible, and uh, he went on. And a few years later, the American pastor, Billister, heard what was happening in this community, and he'd heard that 200 people had come to faith in Jesus Christ, and God was starting to, to revive the, this community and these, and these people and these relationships of discipleship that were happening. So he goes back to Poland. And when he's there, the, the churches, the little small churches, packed with people, about 200 there, and he said, before I, I preach, I want to go ahead and call some of you up to quote to me some of the verses that you had memorized. And the pastor that he originally gave the Bible to raised his hand and he said, he said uh, Brother Billister, do, did you mean verses or did you mean the Bible? Because he said, I want you to memorize the Bible. He said, did you mean verses or the Bible? And what he had found is that 13 of the 200 had committed the entire books of Matthew and Luke to memory and half of Genesis. There was another lady in the group who could quote the entire book of Psalms completely, and he found that collectively in the group of 200, they knew almost the entire New Testament. And he asked them, he said, he said why did you do this? And they said, because you asked us to. Let me give you a discipleship principle. If you get this, it, it, it really is the heart of the, the entire message. Write this down. You can't expect what you don't inspect. Write that down. You can't expect what you don't inspect. What do you mean, Robbie? We can't expect from others what we don't inspect. If we don't hold people accountable for loving their wives or loving their husbands or reading the word or journaling through the word, it, 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 they're not going to do it. And I'll just prove it to you. 
pastor. See, people say, well, man, you, you love to invest in guys. And I say, yeah, I love to invest in guys, but those guys are holding me accountable. Because if I'm not memorizing the word of God, it's because someone's not holding me accountable. I'm just like you. I struggle with the same things you do. My life gets busy just like you. When I went to Long Hollow, uh, just went four months ago, and one of the things we did is we turned our three-hour business meeting, in a sense, we'd, we'd meet for business, and we still do. And I said, I want to take that time, and I want to turn it into a discipling time. And so for an hour and a half a week, we put... Uh, some of the uh, ministers and managers in our church in a room and uh, we meet for discipleship and we do a few things we live life together we go to lunch together uh, we read the word together we journal through the word but one of the things we do which is crucial is we memorize the word together and so I let them pick the book I said what do you guys want to memorize and they said memorize memorize what I said we're going to memorize the bible together we're going to struggle and learn together and so uh, they picked Ephesians. And uh, so the way it works is every week they, they come in and they'll quote the Bible to one another and then one lucky contestant gets to stand up and quote for the group. <laughs> or, 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 or unlucky, it depends on if you know it or not. And uh, this week we just finished, we, we've been at it for about four months now, three and a half months, and, and finally we have gotten to verse 22 in Ephesians. We know all of chapter 1. And I had my worship leader get up, and before the entire group, he quoted Ephesians 1. And, uh, and when he did it, it was, like we, it was like we all just won the Super Bowl. I mean, we're high-fiving, uh, the camaraderie's there, everybody, because we're all struggling, struggling together, right? And when he sat down, I said, hey, now listen, these are some of the top staff members in the country. Some of the sharpest young uh, middle-aged uh, ministers, uh, mature ministers I've ever been around. I mean, these, this is the top-tier guys and girls. And I said, how many of you, this is the most scripture in the Bible you have committed to memory in a row? 22 verses. I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe a couple of them. Almost every hand went up. This is the most. And friends, here's the thing. When we get into the Word, until the Word gets into us, it changes us, right? And so if we hold our people to one thing, we want to hold them to the memory of the Word of God. Now, we need to be careful of decentering our discipleship groups just on list-checking or box-checking. So, so we don't want to just hold them accountable just for the sake of holding them accountable to where it, it's, it's a system of boxes we check or, or blanks we fill in. We need to understand the whole system is laden with grace, right? We're not trying to check boxes. We're trying to be like Jesus, right? I love what one pastor said. He, said. he said we need to be careful of moralistic accountability. Here's what he said. I'm all for accountability, but a certain kind of accountability. The accountability we really need is the kind that corrects our natural tendency to dwell on us. My obedience, or lack thereof, or my performance, or my holiness, instead of Christ's obedience and Christ's holiness. I love this. It's his performance and his holiness in me. It sometimes seems that we can't help ourselves from turning the good news of God's grace into a narcissistic program of self-improvement. We try to turn grace into law, and what we need to do is to be held accountable for doing that. It's pretty insightful. 
So the first thing I want to challenge you to do is, is to meet together for encouragement. The second thing I want us to do and, and challenge you in the, in the area of a discipling relationship is to confess your sin one to another and to pray persistently. To confess your sin and pray persistently. Turn with me to James chapter 5. I'm going to show you James chapter 5. And James, James gives us an interesting insight here. When you get there, you can say a word. Verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Within the confines of a trusting relationship, and the operative word there is trusting. I'm not saying you, you, you meet with a group of people and then next week you start burying your soul, okay? You've got, you got to be careful. It takes time, over time. But in the confines of a trusting relationship, what James is telling us is this. When you confess your sin one to another, it is liberating and healing, right? There's something to be said in the confines of a trusted group when you get to the place where you can confess sexual sin or financial setbacks or, 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 or uh, an immoral attitude or, or actions, uh, relationship struggles or emotional strains, personal shortcomings. And I think that's good because the devil would love nothing more than to keep us isolated and alone. That's how he wins. See, when we live isolated and alone, that's how he wins. Why? Because he keeps us in the dark. He doesn't put it in the light, as Jesus said we should. And I bet if, if you're not seeing victory in your own personal life, I bet you're doing it alone. I bet you're doing it alone. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the great a German reformer, he said, sin demands to have a man or a woman by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more, get this, the more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. And so that's what the enemy does. He wants to get us away from the community. So I just want to encourage you. Confess your sin to trusted individuals and pray persistently for the healing and the liberation of that sin. Here's the final one. In the area of accountability, it's not only just praying for one another, it's not only just confessing sin, it's not only holding each other accountable, it is a, a system that God set up for us to bear the burdens of one another. That's how I think we prove our love to the world, by bearing the burdens of one another. Jesus said, you'll, they'll know you're my disciples if you what? Audience participation part, if you what? Love one another, right? Turn with me to Galatians 6, and we'll finish with this one. Go back to the left, just a, just a few books. Galatians 6, 1. Word. Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry 
one another's burdens in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. See, the discipleship group provides the fuel to keep the fire burning within. And the encouraging words of a person sometimes at the right moment are everything to us, right? One of the great things about my discipleship groups, and you may do this as well, is that we're on a group text together. Thank God for technology. Can't tell you many times. Uh, when I get up and speak, I text the guy, say, hey, pray for me, I'm about to, about to speak. And so it's, 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 a, it's a community of, of encouragement and continuity. But many times the guys will say, my life are, is falling apart. Pray for my wife. Pray for a lost friend. I don't know how I can bear this any longer. And that's the beauty of this discipling relationship. And one of the cool things about these men is that they are letting their guard down over time. And it's so cool to see that these men are living out to be godly men and not macho men, which the world wants us to believe, right? That's what the world wants us to believe. Let me talk to the men for a moment. The world wants you to believe and me to believe that to be a good man in this world, to be a cool man in the world, to be an acceptable man in the world is to be a macho man in the world, right? You need to be macho. You need to be tough. You don't need to cry. Here's the problem with that. The problem is the most macho, toughest man on the planet was Jesus. And macho is never a word used to describe Jesus. Mild is and meek is. <laughs> so in a discipling relationship, I'm trying to teach these men how to live as a godly man. You know what a godly man does? A godly man lives in accountable relationships with other men. Amen? A godly man is open and honest about his personal struggles. A godly man confesses his sins one to another. A godly man shares the burdens of other men. Godly men learn from one another. Godly men are teachable by one another. Godly men are faithful to God and one another. Now don't miss this. I think I'd be remiss not to say this. It's one thing to talk about accountability in the church and in your life. It's a whole nother thing, and I just want to share this with you, to miss community and discipleship in your home. Don't ever let us get to the place where we bypass our children to disciple our church. <laughs> See, I really believe when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to ask me first and foremost, not how big my church was or how many people I reached, or how many times I spoke, he's going to say, Robbie, how well have you shepherded First Baptist Galatee, my last name? How well have you shepherded that church? And he's going to ask you the same question. How well have you discipled your families, right? And it's not just your children, it's your spouse, it's your wife, it's your husband. I think the most important church we're all pastoring is the first church of our home. So never let us neglect that. I think we all need accountability in our life for a lot of reasons. We need accountability to read the Word. We need accountability to memorize Scripture. We need accountability to pray. Right? I, I love the fact that guys are holding me accountable to pray for lost friends and family members. We need accountability on how we love our spouses and how we treat our wives and our husbands. We need accountability with how we spend our money we need accountability with our thought life. The things we look at, the places we go, the, the music we listen to, the movies we watch, right? We need accountability in that. We need a, accountability to, 
to live with integrity. I was studying recently about the, the late, great Howard Hendricks. You may know him, professor and author. He's given his life to discipleship, and he wrote later in life something very interesting, and it's really an insight for us to get, and I want to read this to you. He talks about the importance of a discipling relationship with someone else, and here's what he said. He said, after more than 45 years of working with men in terms of mentoring relationships, I can tell you without reservation that the men who are making the greatest impact for God in this generation are men who have placed themselves under the tutelage of other godly men. If you care about making any kind of difference with your life, in your work, with your family, in your community, in your faith, then find someone who can help you grow and realize your life goals. I want to leave you with two questions I think every Christian needs to ask themselves. Write them down. Every Christian should ask themselves these two questions. Who am I personally discipling? And here's the second one. Who is discipling me? Who, who, am, I, who am I personally discipling? And who is discipling me? Let's pray. Father, we're not engaging in any kind of activity that you didn't do with your own followers. And I pray, God, that you would Allow us even now to look at the landscape of our own life to determine who is it in our life if we don't have somebody now that we can be accountable to. Maybe a group of men we can gather together when we go back or a group of ladies and say, hey, let's read the Bible and study and, and live life together uh, for the glory of God in our context. And God, I pray today that it wouldn't be just words that we heard or scriptures that we read that that we would actually be challenged in such a way to go home and implement this. That we would be open and honest with those around us. And that through our relationships with other people in community, people would see our love for one another. And they would realize that you're a great God. We love you, Lord. We ask it in the only name we know how. And that's the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Well, that was Robbie Gallaty talking about accountability and a powerful message about how we can use accountability to help us be more effective in making disciples. If you'd like to know more about how to make disciples, go to disciplefirst.com. That's your one-stop shop for resources and training on disciple making. You can also go to flashpointconference.com where you can hear speakers live like Robbie Gallaty and others that will train you how to make disciples in the local church. There's a Flashpoint Conference probably in a city near you. So go to flashpointconference.com or disciplefirst.com. And until then, go make disciples.